0: Part First, Chapter Three of The Well Beloved by Thomas Hardy This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Part First, Chapter Three: The Appointment. Well, said he, here we are, arrived at the fag end of my holiday. What a pleasant surprise my old home, which I have not thought worth coming to see for three or four years, had in store for me! You must go to morrow? she asked uneasily. Yes. Something seemed to overweigh them, something more than the natural sadness of a parting which was not to be long, and he decided that instead of leaving in the daytime as he had intended, he would defer his departure till night, and go by the mail-train from Budmouth. This would give him time to look into his father's quarries, and enable her, if she chose, to walk with him along the beach as far as to Henry VIII's castle above the sands, where they could linger and watch the moon rise over the sea. She said she thought she could come. So, after spending the next day with his father in the quarries, Jocelyn prepared to leave, and at the time appointed set out from the stone house of his birth in this stone isle to walk to Bodmouth Reedus by the path along the beach, Avis having some time earlier gone down to see some friends in the street of Wells, which was half way towards the spot of their tryst. The descent soon brought him to the pebble bank, and, leaving behind him the last houses of the isle and the ruins of the village destroyed by the November gale of 1824, he struck out along the narrow thread of land. When he had walked a hundred yards, he stopped, turned aside to the pebble ridge which walled out the sea, and sat down to wait for her. Between him and the lights of the ships riding at anchor in the roadstead, Two men passed slowly in the direction he intended to pursue. One of them recognised Jocelyn, and bade him good-night, adding, "'Wish you joy, sir, of your choice, and hope the wedding will be soon.' "'Thank you, Seaborn. Well, we shall see what Christmas will do towards bringing it about.' "'My wife opened upon it this morning. Please, God, I'll go up and see that there wedding,' says she, knowing em both from their crawling days.' The men moved on and when they were out of Pierston's hearing, the one who had not spoken said to his friend, "'Who was that young Kimberlin? He you don't seem one o' we.' "'Oh, he is, though, every inch of He's Mr. Jocelyn Pierston, the stone merchant's only son up at East Quarriers. He's to be married to a stylish young body. Her mother, a widow-woman, carries on the same business as well as she can, but that trade is not a twentieth part of Pierston's. He's worth thousands and thousands, they say, though I do live on in the same-walled way up in the same-walled house. This son is doing great things in London as an image-carver, and I can mind when, as a boy, he first took to carving soldiers out of bits of stone from the soft bed of his father's quarries, and then he made a set of stone chessmen, and so I got on. He's quite the gent in London, they tell me, and the wonder is that he cared to come back here and pick up little Avis Carrow, nice maid as she is notwithstanding. Hello, there's to be a change in the weather soon.' Meanwhile, the subject of their remarks waited at the appointed place till seven o'clock. The hour named between himself and his affiance had struck. Almost at the moment he saw a figure coming forward from the last lamp at the bottom of the hill. But the figure speedily resolved itself into that of a boy, who, advancing to Jocelyn, inquired if he were Mr. Pierston and handed him a note. End of Part first, Chapter 3